0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 10:30 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Say we appreciate everybody here this morning, especially if you consider yourselves a visitor. We're delighted to have you and. Invite you back anytime uh, you're in the area and would like to meet with us. This morning, I've titled the lesson this morning, Neglect Not the Gift. And I'd like to say before I get started, I appreciate the prayers on my behalf. They are much appreciated and much needed. And this morning, I hope these things that we look at will be a benefit to you in your, in your spiritual life. And hopefully they're helpful to you. This uh, topic, this neglect not the gift, this comes from uh, one of Timothy's letters to uh, the younger, or one of Paul's letters to the younger Timothy. You might say that the Apostle Paul was his mentor, and one of the things he tells Timothy is he says, neglect not the gift. And so that's what we want to delve into this morning. And when I think about like a mentor relationship, you think, think about people throughout history that have been the best at their field, like the great ones, Uh, and anything from like the arts, take like a Mozart all the way up to like a Pavarotti, maybe even like a, a Taylor Swift today, or an athlete like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Michael Phelps, Tom Brady, all of those guys. Think about the people that mentored them what if those coaches those trainers their parents those people that looked at them and they saw a gift in that person they knew that this person could achieve great things how would they have felt if that person would have said you know i'm not going to pursue that or i'm not really that good i'm not i know i've got the gift i'm just i'm not not fired up about it i'm not gonna gonna follow that how would that mentor have felt? They, they would have looked at that and like, what a wasted potential. And that's why I think probably what the Apostle Paul was, I don't think he was fearful of it, but he, he had a concern, you know, the only thing that could stop Timothy from reaching his potential was if he neglected the gift that was in him because the Apostle Paul knew that Timothy had potential. And like, if you were like Tom Brady, would he have been satisfied somebody like that would he been satisfied well i'm fine with just being the backup or like michael jordan i'm fine with being the sixth man or just riding the bench no those guys they poured everything they had and within their craft if you want to call it that that term neglect was not in their vocabulary and of course we're talking about something much serious this morning our craft if you will service to god that word neglect should not be something in our vocabulary. This word neglect is translated from the Greek word amaleo, which means make light of, regard not, to be careless of. Or you might say not giving, just not giving something the full attention that it deserves. So our text this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And here the Apostle Paul starts off in verse 14 of... Of This, this passage it says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear thee. So again, the Apostle Paul, he knows Timothy has this great potential to do great things in the service of God. And he knows that the only thing that can hold him back is if Timothy decides to neglect that potential that's in him. And the result, he says, hey, if you don't neglect that gift, what's going to happen? The results of that are listed there in 15 and 16. If you give yourself wholly to this, If you don't neglect that gift, the profiting is going to be undeniable. Thy profiting may appear to all, as said there in verse 15. And then not only that, in verse 16, if you devote yourself to this, if you don't neglect that gift is in you, you're going to find salvation for yourself, but not just for you, you're going to help others as well. But on the flip side of that, if you do neglect this, if you neglect the gift that is in you, what happens then? Well, that's going to be evident. People are going to notice that, and you're going to lead people and yourself to destruction if you neglect that gift. Look at what Paul says in his next letter to Timothy, and it's very similar. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Going back to 1 Timothy 4, he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, In his next letter, he says, stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. In verse 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so when I look at this term, not given to us, this is not just a message why it was a specific message to Timothy. This is really something that applies to anybody that has received the gift of the Spirit of God. As said there in verse 7, For God, He has not given us the spirit of fear. What kind of spirit has He given us? He's given us a spirit of power or ability, love, affection, and a sound mind of sanity. That's the kind of spirit that God has has given given to us. And so we have the choice, what do we do with that spirit that's been given to us? Do we neglect it? Because we're told there, neglect not that gift that is in you, and that gift being the Holy Spirit. Or do we stir up that gift and let it work in us? Do not neglect the gift that God has given you. Stir it up. And as the Apostle Paul says, I put thee in remembrance with kind of that uh, spirit in mind. Let's, for remembrance sake, let's look at a few verses about the Holy Spirit. Because this is the gift that we are not to neglect. Well, in Acts 2 and 38, we read, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And what? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, that's that gift where we should not be neglecting that great gift, the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. So the Spirit has been given to us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And what kind of host are we? Ephesians 4 and 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so grieving not the Spirit of God that basically just means don't make the spirit unhappy. Be a suitable host for that, that great gift. Be a suitable host for the spirit of God that dwells within you. And if there's one thing that will make you an unsuitable host, it would be neglect. If you neglect the gift of God. We read in First Thessalonians 5 and 19, and this would be a good verse to commit to memory if we haven't done so already, considering it's only four, four words long. Quench not the Spirit. First Thessalonians 5 and 19. Quench not the Spirit. Again, talking about that gift that's in us. Don't quench it. And what does quench mean? Extinguish. Suppress. In this context of the Spirit, prevent it from being effective. Prevent it from doing its thing. I think of a, a campfire. You know, it, the campfire is only as good as, you know, the wood or the tinder that you use. It's only going to last as long as the supply of that, that tinder that you have. And it's going to go out if you don't maintain it. The way the Spirit works in us is kind of similar to that concept. Just the fact is, it is an unlimited source of energy. It's never going to run out. But if we don't let it work in us, then the potential we have is just, it's going to go up in in smoke. And we don't want that to happen. And that is why the Apostle Paul, he tells Timothy, don't let that fire go out. You know, keep it burning. Us as Christians, you know, when we first got that spark, that fire was probably burning pretty hot. We were fired up. We were zealous. uh, We were ready to go. But how are we now? You know, if we've been in the church for several years, you know, how are we now? Is that fire still burning just as hot or are we neglecting that gift of God? Is it like that burning fire in us or is it like that campfire we left in the woods years ago? Let's reignite that fire today. You know, consider these these two facts here to illustrate that God does not neglect us. First of all, as we've already read this morning, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, number one. And number two, if that wasn't enough, as we can read in Philippians 4 and 13, we can do all things through Christ. So God has given us everything we need. When we look at ourselves, if we had to give ourselves a grade, what kind of grade would we give ourselves? You know, if there weren't honest about the job we're doing in light of these, these ideas here, these facts that we know, what kind of score would we give ourselves? We look at ourselves and say, I really have had some triumphs in my life. I'm, I'd about, be about 90% of where I should be. You know, I know I'm not quite there yet, but I really am striving. Or would we be like closer to 50%, like, you know, I'm having some struggles. I know I'm not where I need to be. Or would we be closer to, like, too embarrassed to even say? And that's exactly where Satan wants us. That's where Satan wants us at, where we're quenching that spirit where we don't even want to think about uh, our service level to God. This morning, once again, as we've read, don't neglect. Don't continue to neglect that gift. If we're in that state of neglect, don't, don't neglect it, but stir it up. Let it work in you. We should put 100% effort into serving God because he puts 100% into blessing us. He equips us with everything we need to be profitable to him. We just have to do it. And we can't neglect the ability that we have through the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about ourselves, we may think we're not that capable of accomplishing much as we read about these great men in the scripture. but it, it's almost hard to grasp that the same spirit that dwells in us, that is the same spirit that was in Timothy, Paul, the apostle. Do we choose to neglect that great gift? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, we'll read through verse 11, says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will, or severally meaning individually, dividing to every man individually as God wills. God distributes these abilities throughout his church. And then in verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. We may not understand why, but God blesses each of us uniquely. And that's not just a random thing. You know, God just didn't, and all of a sudden you've got this ability and you've got this ability. He has a purpose in everything he does and it is done for his pleasure. As we read there in verse 18, he's done these things, you know, it was a targeted thing and we may not understand why, but it's because it's God's will. That's what he wants. He created us. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. So he knows what ability we need. And he's given us that ability in a way that pleases him. But it's, it's as humans, it's hard to not compare ourselves to others, or like covet talents of others. Like we might look at somebody and say, man, that guy is, he's done all this stuff, he is so good at that, I wish I had that that talent. For me, as some of you know, I wish I had the ability to sing. I, I really wish I had musical ability, but I can tell you, you're thankful that I didn't have this microphone on when we were singing. I just don't have that gift. And others are blessed with that gift. And so we do compare ourselves. We may put ourselves down because we don't have the capabilities that somebody else has. But what we have to keep in mind is God has targeted you with your abilities, and you are not going to be responsible for somebody else's potential. You're going to be responsible for what he's given you and that role he has given you. And perhaps we haven't even figured that role out, but we have to try to figure that role out and realize God has made me the way he made me for a reason. As we read there, to every person in the church, he has given them this certain ability, whatever that might be, as according to his will so that it can please him, why to bring glory to himself. It's all about God, to be profitable to him. And so I am responsible and accountable for the way I handle my own talents, nobody else's. And not everyone is going to have the same talents in the church. We have a duty to take what he's given us and make the most of it, just as Timothy did and we might think that Timothy was doing a whole lot better of a job than we were, but the Apostle Paul even warns him, don't neglect that gift that is in you. You can do better. You can always be better. You can always be increasing in your work to God. When we don't do that and we neglect the gift that is in us, you know, it damages not only ourselves but all those around us. So we've got to be taking our talents for the benefit of, of, of those around us, the benefit of the church overall so that God would be glorified. We'd like to look at the parable of the talents because this is a message to each of us about using our God-given talents. And I think it, to me, as I read through those, that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, that just my mind naturally went to the parable of talents. And I think we'll see why as we go through this. Because we can either use the talents that God has given us We can either stir that gift up or we can neglect it. And like the ultimate form of neglect would just be to take the talent and literally bury it in the sand. That is the worst form of neglect. So here in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, we read, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And this is Jesus speaking here. So So, We have a man traveling into a far country, he gives his servants his goods, and verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his, that word several, I know we don't use that in our language, but according to his individual ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents and likewise he that had received two he also gained other two but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his lord's money after a long time the lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them notice in verse 15 how those talents were distributed once again it was by several or separate ability and it was not just a random thing because the, the Lord knew their abilities. He knew his servants. He knew what they could handle. It was not a matter of he loved this guy more than the other guy. It was like, I know this guy can handle five, this guy can handle two, and this guy can handle one. I don't have to give any of them anything, but I know what they can handle. And that's how he distributed uh, his goods. He knew what though he knew that they, every one of them had potential to be profitable whether it was the 5 talent man or the 1 talent man he knew that every one of them could do something for themselves no something that would benefit him as the lord and so in light of what we read what we read in 1 Corinthians 12 you know this certainly applies to us we are all blessed in different ways and different quantities by the lord and he gives us talents. He know, again, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He gives us a talent for what we can handle. And why? So he can profit. And as stated here in verse 19, maybe we don't want to think about this part. There's a day of reckoning. And when, when was it for these guys? After a long time. So it wasn't like, any of these guys were not given the, an ample opportunity to profit. It was after a long time the Lord comes back. For us, we don't know when that time is, but there is a day of reckoning when we will face our Lord. And if, let's say that trump sounds, if the trumpet were to sound right now, would we be ready to tell the Lord, look, Lord, you've given me this and here's how I have profited. Or would we be telling, begging at that point for the Lord like, I'm, I'm so ashamed, I have just simply neglected the talent that you have given me. We will face that reckoning whether we want to think about it or not. But the Lord is coming and he is going to want to know, what did you do with what I gave you? Continuing on in verse 20. And so he that had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying lord you delivered unto me five talents behold i have gained beside them five talents more his lord said unto him well done you good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of thy lord verse 22 he also that had received two talents came and said lord You gave to me two talents, behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. Lo, here you have what is yours. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to to him that has ten talents." For unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The first thing I want to notice, it's, it's, the, it's the thing that stuck out to me, is how the, both the, five, the guy that was given five talents, And the guy that was given two. And I went back and forth over and over again. It is literally word for word the same reward that both of those men were given. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That is for the five-talent man. The two-talent man, it is word for word. He gave them two different amounts. They gave him back two different amounts. He blessed them exactly the same. That I just couldn't ignore that. The talents came from the same source. The Lord said, here's my goods. They went out. They had the same opportunity. Even though one brought back earnings of five and back two, he said, I'm going to bless you the same amount. But then you get to the one talent man given the same opportunity, he comes back and said, I didn't profit you at all. I was scared and I just put it in the sand. That's where he ran into trouble. Remember what Paul said in First Timothy or 2 Timothy 1 and 7? He says, God has, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, an ability, affection, discipline. He has enabled you. That is exactly what the one talent man in this story did not do. He had a spirit of fear. That was not from the Lord. He was so fearful that he threw any potential he had out. It just went up in smoke because he let that fear reign in him. Rather than appreciating the opportunity, hey, this Lord has given me an opportunity to be profitable to him. And think about maybe what I might how that might work out for me if I just take that one talent and do something to be profitable to him. He didn't think about that. His mindset was more negative, like, oh, I can't do it. This guy's a hard, this Lord, he's a hard man. I'm so afraid I can't do anything. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go put this in, in the sand. And what did he end up doing? Why did the Lord even give him the money? All he did was get the coin dirty. You know, he achieved nothing in that because... He had the spirit of fear. For us, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Don't be scared about, I can't do this, I can't do this. God has given us ability, love, self-control, discipline. He's given us a spirit that enables us. We can't neglect that. We may very well be the one-talent man. Half of us, all of us in this room may be a one-talent man. That's okay. What's not okay is doing what the one talent man in this account did, where we just say, I can't do anything with that one talent. I'm just going to go bury it. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Thoughts like, I can't do anything. I'm not good enough. I'm not good as him. I don't have anything to offer. Thoughts like that don't come from the spirit of God. Thoughts like that. When we say something, when we think like that, that's exactly what's meant by quenching the Spirit. It's not letting the Spirit do its thing for us. When you think about, I think about fire like a pilot light. If you've ever, you know, had to work with anything with a pilot light or just to understand that, you know, that's just that, that, that flame that just continues on. It's always there. It's just waiting to be used, to be ignited, to, to serve its purpose. That's kind of like what the spirit of god is in us that holy spirit it is just waiting for us to ignite it to make it useful to us but we can't ever fall into the spirit of fear thinking that we can't do it or that we simply don't matter god hasn't made a single person in this room to not matter god does not give his spirit to someone that doesn't matter, that's not good enough, that's not capable of profiting him. God would not give you his spirit if you didn't matter. And But it's easy con- to convince ourselves that maybe we just aren't that important. Maybe that we don't matter all that much to this body. But when we get into that kind of line of thinking, it's almost like we say that God is a liar because God says the exact opposite. He says every one of you can profit me. So we don't want to, get in an argument with God and say, I can't profit you, God, because God says, yes, you can. And I'm going to, I've given you the stuff to be profitable to me. In this parable, once again, the three men were all given the same opportunity. And it was only one of them by fear, one of them by neglect. He's the one that separated himself from his Lord. Just because we aren't a five-talent person doesn't mean that we have any less value to God. What's important is that we're living up to that unique potential that we have that God gave us. If you look back at all the people that God has chosen throughout, throughout the Bible, you'd be challenged to find many or any that were ideal, that had no flaws. And one that sticks out to me is Moses. Because Moses, when God first comes to him, Moses is not like, let's go get it. No, he's he, quite the opposite. Out of all the people to bring the children of Israel out of bondage, God comes to Moses, a man who is out tending to his father-in-law's animals. He comes out to him, chooses him, and tells Moses, hey, you're going to do all these great things. You're going to go before the most powerful man in the world. And you're going to do such and such. I've got all these big plans. And to me, Moses probably acted like I did. Like, well, I would have acted like, whoa, uh, I can't do that. Look at a few of these, these examples here in the book of Exodus. First of all, Exodus 3 and 11. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And again, he is talking to the creator of the world, the very one that created him. And he said, who am I? What are you talking about? Exodus 4 and 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hasn't appeared to you. And then Exodus 4 and 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I'm, I'm not eloquent. I haven't been eloquent Uh, Nor since you've spoken to me, your servant, I have never been eloquent, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. In other words, I know, God, you're telling me this, but I'm not capable of it. And he's telling that directly to the one who knows very well what this man is capable of. So this is not an an excuse for us like, oh, yeah, we're just like Moses because at first we don't believe we can do it. But the point I'm trying to make is you're not alone. If you maybe read Scripture and you're overwhelmed, like, I just can't, I can't do this. Well, you're in good company because some of the greatest men, Moses was one of the greatest men of all time, and he had doubts himself directly talking to God. But it wasn't that initial reaction, really. It was how Moses, trust, he, he bought into what God was telling him, and that's how... And we know that Moses was, he was like the meekest man ever is how he's described. He, you know, submitted to God, bought into it, and he didn't neglect this great opportunity in the end that God had given to him. And look what he achieved. When we doubt ourselves, we doubt the one who made us. Because he made us, he knows what we can and can't do. Today, God does not need you to be Moses. God does not need any of us to be an apostle. God needs us to be Brian, Amy, Phil, Gavin, Cameron, Cora, and so forth. He, as common phrase, you be you. That's who God needs us to be. None of us is going to go out and part the Red Sea. God doesn't need that. None of us is going to do that. But what every one of us can do is something equally as great. Bring the good news, bring the gospel to this world. Bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We may not initially think that it's just as great, but it is every bit as great as parting the Red Sea. And certainly we are all capable of that. When we preach the gospel, when we live it out, when we do good works, even the smallest of things, as long as that is for God's glory, those are all great works. And within our own separate abilities, we can do great things because that's what we're designed to do. That's what God put us here for. So we should never discount the potential that's within us. Neglect not the gift. And we can't discount the the impact we can have on others and the impact we can have on the church body. Because even, because quite the opposite is true if we do neglect the gift. Even one of us or a few of us, if we are neglectful, this entire congregation suffers. God has set the church up for success. So we have the duty of being stirred up in spirit to help facilitate that success. When members of the church ignore the, their potential, you end up with something like this that's just, the, that, is described here in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. This is what happens when people neglect the gift, when they don't take the gifts of God, talents seriously, and so forth. Things become stagnant. You know, people don't get stronger in the work of the church. But Hebrews 5 and 12, for For when for the time you ought to be teachers... Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Here you have people, and this is a very shameful thing that these people were being told. Like, look, the time ye ought, and if you look at how that that word is derived, it's not just a suggestion, that is uh, a command. You should be teachers. By this point in time, you should be teaching others, but where are you at now? You, you need others to teach you. And you, look at the potential you've thrown away. These people were capable, again, they were in the church, they were capable of great things, but they settled for mediocrity. They just thought, I'm okay where I'm at. And that's certainly not the case with God. God will never... Be satisfied if we're an underachiever. He just, that is not acceptable to him. He's given us everything we need to increase, to be more and more profitable to him. So, got a couple questions I want us to ask uh, this morning in a spiritual uh, nature. At this point, I should be, and we know where we should be, only we can answer that question. At this point, point, at this point in my spiritual walk with God, I should be at this level, doing these things, you know, understanding these things. That's where I should be versus as I examine myself at this point in my Christian life, I am here. This is the level I'm at. How much of a gap is between those two things? Because that is, what you have is reality. This is where I am versus potential is there a great gulf in that reality versus potential? Are we approaching where we're, try- we're almost at our full potential? How close are we to reaching our potential? Because what neglect does, neglect prevents us from ever closing the gap. If we neglect the gift, the Holy Spirit, we will never reach our full potential. And that's the, the point the Apostle Paul was trying to drive home to Timothy. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. Stir it up so that you can increase in the service to God. And that doesn't happen by leaps and bounds. these giant leaps where one day we're here and, and the next week we're, you know, like apostle level. No, it's small. And that's what the Apostle Paul lines out to Timothy devote yourself to the scripture buy into it give yourself to these your profiting will be noticeable to all and you will save people that was not just some mega step it was just a daily devotion uh, of work in the kingdom of devoting yourself to the scripture as we look at ourselves this morning where are we at let's be honest with ourselves Let's start working towards our potential, because whether we think where we're at or not, we can always get better. If you're not familiar with the Bible, maybe you haven't opened the Bible in years, maybe never. You know, you're not the only one in that position. Like for me, I didn't open a Bible until I think I was 19 years old. But you don't get anywhere if you're just gonna let it, don't neglect that gift. Today, if you've never opened a Bible, open it up, learn just a little bit. That's how you begin to spark that interest and become profitable in God's service. If you've already you know now you've studied the scripture and you come to baptism and you've studied that and you know what you you believe that you need to be baptized certainly don't neglect that. Get that taken care of. We don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to take advantage of that. Or perhaps you've already been baptized. Maybe you've been in the church for for decades. Maybe you're just in a rut. You're not very inspired right now. Well, take some steps to get out of that. Do you really think that God is going to withhold anything? If you sincerely come to God, whether you've never opened the Bible or you've been in the church for 50 years, God is never going to refuse. He's liberal in his gifts. He's never going to, if you sincerely come to God and ask him for help, not for your own glory, but for his He's not going to withhold, ever withhold b- blessings to you. He is going to enable you to be a better Christian and a better service because He is glorified by you. That's why He has built you. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. That is literally a mouthful there, but he's saying through the Spirit, God is able to do so much more than we can even imagine. With God's power at work in us, we are capable of so much more than we currently do. And more than we can even imagine, more than we can even think to ask, above all that we ask, it says there in verse 20. Let's not be okay this morning or ever with just being okay or simply breaking even, you might say, because we all have the potential to be profitable. So let's never just be satisfied with with breaking even in the service to God because that's not acceptable to him. And let's always remember those words, don't neglect the gift that is in you. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit of God and it dwells in you. Don't neglect that gift, but stir it up in your life so that you can be profitable in the service to God. That's where I'll close my thoughts this morning. At this time, as we typically do in our service, we offer a song of invitation. It's an invitation to you if you need the prayers of the church or if you're ready to be baptized. Uh, please come forward. If you're a subject to uh, the gospel call, please do so at this time. If you'd like to be baptized or if you need the prayers of the church as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.